commence primary ignition. This is Star Wars. Look out! Core world news. You may fire when ready. From the bright set of the galaxy, I'm Grex Comback, and you're listening to Core World News, your homeland news show in depth coverage analysis of the latest stories from around the galaxy. Welcome to a Reading Rastar special, a roundtable discussion and review of Timothy Zahn's Thrawn Ascendancy Chaos Rising. Now for your host, Ben Granted Adam, to voyage to the edge of chaos. <laughs> thank you very much, Grex, uh, and thank you Thanks. to another special episode this week. Why not? We'll we'll uh, bang out too. Um, this deserves its own episode, I think, though, especially when novels come out. And uh, I just love this novel to death. Um, this is Thrawn Ascendancy Chaos Rising, is uh, this first novel in a new trilogy about, you know, the origin story of Thrawn. Um, and yeah, pretty great. Um, what did you guys think? Just first first blush here before we uh, get into the, the beginning of this book. I fell in love. I thought it was just the perfect deep dive into the Chiss ascendancy that I was hoping this book would be. And we got to, you know, get really, we got to get into the politics. We got to get into the, 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 the ruling culture. government, governmental body, which is the syndicure and yeah. the aristocra. And you get to get to, you got to learn about the nine ruling families. You got to learn about, you know, how people get inducted into these families and the different ways they get inducted into these families, how the power structure works, all the process stuff. I thought, I thought Adam, Adam being our process expert over here, I thought, thought you would love this book. Did you, did you love everything going on in this book? Yes. In terms of- I, I like this book a lot. I, I'm not yeah. quite on the love side of it, but I really enjoyed it. It was a very, it was a faster read for me than a lot of Zahn's books are. Zahn's books to me tend to be longer than this. this is actually on the shorter side i was surprised and tends to be more dense and this is dense but in a way that i felt was still like very consumable and yes the process stuff i absolutely loved um we could talk a little more about it i'm a little bit um over Thrawn as sherlock looking for a watson in every book um but mm-hmm. i do like the character quite a bit i also full disclosure am working my way through the old eu and I just hit like a whole bunch of Timothy Zahn in a row. So I've read a lot of Zahn. And this is Zahn in the old EU post Thrawn. Thrawn's dead in this in this version of the EU. But it's a lot of Chiss and it's a lot of like Thrawn adjacent and Thrawn like characters. Wait, so, so Thrawn dies? Yes. In the old EU, Thrawn dies, but there's a Thrawn clone, but the clone doesn't get taken out of the it's back to the tank. It's a whole thing. I'm very glad they reset canon with Thrawn. Um so I so part of my like but not love about this book might have simply been I've read a lot of Thrawn and Zahn in the past two weeks, like probably five books. <laughs> right. So, I, I, so that's where I'm at. Yeah, I, I love this because I just happen to be watching this random show on Amazon called uh, Endeavor. And it's a it's a prequel series to, I guess, a long time running British show uh, f- about the same character. But it's like about his origin story. And it's Endeavor Morse is a detective. He's essentially the same character, only he's a detective instead of like an, you know, a military admiral or, you know, military mind. And it's just like this, like super genius that's underappreciated, but cleverly like is very clever and finds, you know, has attention to detail. Other people don't. And so it's like he may be awkward and gangly or whatever, but his like genius is like is, uh, you know, unquestioned it's 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 absolute and like everyone knows that they're special but it's like oh but he's just so weird you know um so i found like a great sort of symbionts between these two media as i was going in and i was like oh my gosh it's endeavor but like in space um so that that's what grabbed me initially but really it was like it's a whole new mythos like within the galaxy but without of the galaxy like in the chaos it's like there's all these cultures um, that they talk about it's it's like another infinite space within an infinite space but it goes into detail about the cultures of the areas because thrawn is very culture focused he's very art focused um in a way that i've never seen in a star wars book before and it, it just like it really 
but it, it really talks about like different species and what their minutiae is about while at the same time not talking at all about their physical description which is yeah wild and one other thing i want to point to and we pointed to this before this book came out and the book did exactly what i was hoping it would do which is like apart from a couple of sentences and maybe like one scene there's nothing going on in the in the galaxy that we know right this <laughs> takes place 94 the lesser galaxy is that what they call it yeah it takes place in the in the chiss ascendancy right like yeah. we get like a, a slight interaction we also get right this book also parallels w- which one of the thrawn one of the thrawn books right like thrawn it, ascendancy, thrawn the ascendancy. Ascendancy. Like, there's like it, 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 it runs like, over thrawn parallel ascendancy. <laughs> it's like and I'm like wait, are we just back in the same book and it's like yada 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 moving on and i yeah. love that well, it's like making that connection with the skywalkers obviously if you don't if you haven't read thrawn ascendancy or are familiar with uh the chiss called Culture. They have these navigators uh, in the chaos. It's very difficult to navigate because there's lots of dangers and, and perilous kind of nebula and cosmic storms and things like that. And so they need navigators and, and the Chiss have this, I guess it's these young people who are force sensitive, who are titled Skywalkers, who navigate starships to distant star star systems in, in the chaos in the beyond the outer rim. Are they always female? No, I want to no. say they were oh, in ascendancy I, when they established it, but I yeah. don't know. Yeah, and I, th- I think that's continued in this book, but I don't I know. Think I think only were, I, only seen females, and they age out at a relatively young age, and they're just 13, more sensitive. Yeah. yeah, they peak from age seven to thirteen or fourteen, and they like, and then they lose their force ability, which is wild. Which uh, I love, right? and I have a theory about that. That's oh yeah, crazy. let's hear it. Let's just dive into it. What's your theory? Because I, I have theories too. So, so he, they talk a lot about the um, Sith War. Apparently, the Chiss battled the Sith at one point, and yeah. and then he talks about that. And that's news, right? Like we've never heard about that. Uh, uh, old E, it's in old EU. Okay, uh, right, right, Grant. The Chiss. You're uh, our best, uh, expert. Right I, I just. The Chiss fought the Sith. I don't believe that's in the old EU. I think the Chiss are dealing okay. directly with the remnants yeah. of the Empire, so right? I don't think there's a lot established true. before that. So my my theory. So they talk about that in this book, which I was like, "What?" Because who wouldn't want to see that? Yeah. And, and apparently, they. I was led to believe that the Sith knocked them out of what they call the Lesser Galaxy, which means the galaxy we know from the Skywalker saga, into the unknown, into the chaos, into the unknown regions. So, I mean, it sounds like they were the ones that, like, they suffered this loss against the Sith and got pushed back. And, like, that's where the ascendancy started, like, in the in the outer regions. So my, my thought was that, like, there was, like, some sort of super powerful Sith Lord that cursed the Chiss. And it's like, your all of your Force sensitives will run out of Force power by age 14. And that was my thing because it's like they talked about like what a grievous blow that was to them. And uh, it'd be interesting if they sort of did some sort of mysticism there. Anyways, that was my theory. Well, that's 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 interesting. I, I mean, that's not entirely out out of the realm of possibility because recently that in that massive multiplayer online MMO that uh, that is still the old Republic, I think it was called just the old Republic. Yeah, the old yeah. Republic. Uh, you, the Chiss were a part of the Sith. I guess the Sith Empire, right? Like that that side of the battle. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, really? So they got like could, a- they were a playable species in the game and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, so there was a kind of connection there. Yeah, in the far in the distant past. So I wouldn't be surprised if oh, like they, they were absorbed that. and they were like fighting on the had to fight yeah, on the side exactly, and then eventually wow. betrayed. Like you're saying, that might be an interesting storyline to explore. But I don't, yeah. I don't remember that, especially in the EU. I just remember. The heir to the empire books and Thrawn being involved with the the empire. Yeah, no, you guys are right. I'm totally making it up. The Sith Wars is the first mention. There's no old EU mention of it connecting with the Chiss. So I just made that up in my brain. I think I think I think where I got confused is that this does canonize the Sith Wars. Yeah. In in New EU, it's the first time it's been mentioned in New EU. I was just clicking through Wikipedia. Um, oh yeah, because I was yeah. going to say yeah, even mentioning the Sith Wars were. But I mean, the Sith Wars I always thought was like within the galaxy against there was a Jedi Sith War. Yeah, I think that's well, well, we they still had, know yeah. a lot about it at this point in the new EU. But yeah, in this book, they, they talk about um, there being uh, a cataclysm of supernovas that kind of like pushed the Chiss. I think 
the oh really just to where they are yeah yeah i guess maybe we should you know we don't need to go blow by blow through this book but one place to start is just their location right like the chaos is what they call it but it's like essentially like this fast moving interstellar plane like or stellar plane right you have like constant novas things are all moving at fast speeds which what we know from real science we're constantly expanding and that would be a part of it but that's not the way this galaxy works um but yes this this part of the galaxy it's moving so your your space is always relative and uh, and they rely on force sensitives to navigate through this chaos in real time so i just wanted to go back to my thought about the skywalkers and kind of where that plays is i feel like this is a a cultural thing where it's just like you're it's almost like I don't think the the I don't think the women at 13 lose their force abilities. I think they repress them because I think they're socially taught to repress them. And I think the males repress them as well. Like, I think it's I think what's interesting about this is this is just how this culture deals with force sensitivity is that it's just they're learned. Right. They learn that they use it for navigation. The age of puberty. Right. Right. Yeah. 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 I would think, though, the chist, I think, developed differently i can't remember if that's old year or new year my brain's gonna i'm gonna apologize i'm gonna be doing that a lot because of uh you know last two weeks of readings but um yeah that's my thought is that like i like the fact that that the force is there's this element that's there but there's also this cultural attachment to it and that's defined differently in different cultures and like it, it then exhibits itself differently based on cultural expectations yeah um, so once again, we have Timothy Zahn uh, telling two stories at the same time in two different ti- timelines. Um, he's he's done it. He did it in Ascendancy, most notably, um, where you, we had Thrawn and Anakin and then Thrawn and Vader going simultaneously, which was cool. Um, here we have like pretty much the same set of characters in two different timelines. Um, and in the way that he's woven them together, they actually the timelines sort of interact and they illuminate what's going on in each other usually the the old the the flashback timeline illuminates the current timeline and uh it's i thought it was very clever yeah. it, it seemed yeah. like extremely difficult like double black diamond writing to do it that way um it, even it, though i mean he's done juxtaposition before yeah there's these wonderful flashbacks to um thrawn's kind of uh coming of age and things like that and uh it's also this it, it it not only develops Thrawn and his growth and other characters around him, but also just shows some of the, it shows the culture off. It shows the friction between the families. It shows that it just, it develops a lot of stuff that when it comes to time in the, the actual storyline that we're reading, the current storyline it all, it, it does interweave in such a wonderful way. So yeah. yeah, that's, that's really good. You bring that up. It also does a good job because like we are introduced to Thrawn in old EU and in a lot of ways, new EU as, as kind of the master like schemer planner tactician perfect that we see like he is kind of a, a, one of the ultimate weapons of the empire in a lot of ways yeah but we have to explain you know why why is he in the empire right like why isn't he running the chiss and i think this book does a really good job of showing his kind of early f- like fumbles and fall from grace a little bit and also, how sheerly annoying he is to the Chiss, right? Like, he just fucks yeah. tradition, and I think they do such a good job of that. Of like, I mean, I don't know how to say this, but he has social issues that are explored yeah. in this in a really interesting way because they talked about him being a master tactician, t- tactician as you mentioned, Ben, but also horrible at politics. And they doubled yeah. down on that multiple times, and I appreciate that a lot in this book of like, yeah, he's really good at figuring how things work, but man, he cannot figure out humans or chiss yeah. and how they how they scheme. I mean, Grant and I have recently learned that frequently brains that are like very logical and are like really have like an attention to detail are frequently sort of perceived to have a lack of empathy, even though they do. Because mm-hmm. everything is sort of logistical and it's just like for some reason that's that that can be a dark spot. So I, I think he took it from real life. It's just like no one's got the glass full on on all of these. Yeah. You know, personality traits or like, you know, he's so he's really, really great at tactician, but everything is quantifiable to him. Right. Like when he talks about emotion, he talks about like sensory overload 
or he talks about thought lines, or yeah. he just he's just he's just sub- objective numbers, right? He's not subjective. Yeah, he talks feeling. about people he's as all assets. objective. He's cold, calculating. He's got that chilly, j- glacially calm voice at all times. Yeah. I mean, that's I, that's a beautiful description. I think Zon puts in there at one point, and I just it, it's a really interesting character, but. I really love this book. I think it's great. I think the the only thing that it's kind of my only nitpick is that Thrawn really does a lot of explaining after the fact, after pulling off this massive, yeah. massive yeah. maneuver and, and and winning out in whatever scenario. Uh, and he I explains this scenario in <laughs> retrospect and goes into all the intricacies of it. And I feel like I feel like that reveal could just be more simplistic, and and he could have just done something right. from the beginning that's a little bit more of a payoff, but. Uh, yeah, I, that's, all I, I, that's all I think about these books. But other than that, I really do like the sleuthing. I like the detective uh, Sherlock yeah. Holmes aspect to the character. And, yeah, uh, I don't hate goading. it either. I love that. I love all the goading that, that happens in this. Yeah, this this read very. Oh, how do I say this? Pulpy almost. And I don't mean that in a negative way. Right. Like in, in a I mean, detective... the Nick Ardoon, our, our pulpy enemy. <laughs> but like in terms the of like Vox. yeah but i mean like old sherlock holmes original sherlock holmes is considered pulp fiction pulp literature right it was published in a very in, in a very formulaic way and i and i like that and i enjoy that but i kind of like similar to what grant was saying every time he would start like okay so clearly we're getting to the point where he's figured everything out He's doing all these things that don't make sense from the reader's perspective, but is ultimately going to work out perfectly. And then right. he's going to explain to us explain. how it worked out perfectly. And right. that's Sherlock Holmes, which is super fun. Like, yeah. that's exactly it. So, like, I had to kind of turn my brain off. Not that I don't mean that. That's not really, I don't mean that in that way. I had to stop trying to get ahead of it at times and just enjoy the ride. And once I did that, I was on board. Like, I'm like, okay, this is fun. This is pulpy. I'm enjoying this. This is really good with the character. Let, let me just not try to figure it out. Let me just go for the ride and just sit back and enjoy the two pages of exposition that he gives us explaining <laughs> why he's so smart. Right. Which is, which is Sherlock Holmes, which is a Sherlock yeah. Holmes novel. You cannot figure out a Sherlock Holmes novel, no matter how smart you are. Right. Exactly. <laughs> because it's cheats. it's cheats upon cheats. And I feel like this was lacking from a couple of the previous novels that, that Thrawn's done, right? So this is his fourth novel in the new canon. And, you know, I didn't get this at all. It was like all action and ascendancy. You know, there's very, you know, a little bit of deduction here and there, but mostly yeah. you're from Anakin's like POV. Um, and yeah. And then, you know, the, the last book, there was some, you know, he was in one spot in space for like the whole book. And, you know, there was some intrigue and they tied in Krennic and, you know, right. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. This was um, this is what I want from Thrawn. Like, I want Sherlock Holmes in space, and they gave it to me, and I just happened to be sublimely in the mood for this sort of, like, murder mystery or, like, mysteries, even though it's, like, a military mystery, which is a little uh, yeah. a significant twist, um, that it was just, just the greatest thing. I, I loved every minute of reading this book. Ben, I don't want to skirt over what you just said, because I think it's actually... No, actually, I think it's a very, very important observation. This is the, I think it's the first... In old EU or New Year, this is the first Thrawn book we've gotten, where where Thrawn is like really the absolute focus, constantly there, constantly doing the figuring stuff out. Like in the yeah. old EU, he was always the villain. He was never really the protagonist in many of those books. And honestly, we only get him in three. We only get him in the three books, the Heir to the Empire trilogy. We get him introduced. He dies at the end of that, and then we get a lot of other like the Ghost of Thrawn hanging around basically which is and and the threat of thrawn being resurrected possibly and then the new eu you're right the first three novels um are really enjoyable but they're very actiony they're almost more focused on legacy characters right, right. like yeah and, and this is you're right this and is the first book yeah yeah and he's not he's not the protagonist he's not 100 percent the protagonist right like right. that that's the other big thing like he you're always you can't really fully root for thrawn even though you're rooting for thrawn yeah because it's like well his victories are generally losses for the republic or the rebellion well, well, Ad- admiral arlani kind of comes in clutch in this novel in terms of the final yeah act so it's not yeah. it's not thrawn you know carrying all the weight which i like nope. i like yep. that he shares the yeah and, and talius or thalius or that how do, i don't know thalius thalius yeah talius thalius i don't that's kind of yeah just say just say watson and move on oh boy 
Sorry, she is the Watson in this book. and that's and that's what she's a super fan. Because prior to that, in the first trilogy, it was who was the character he was. He went through the academy with. Do you remember that? Went to the Imperial Academy Zia, with yeah. Ziara. Oh, Ziara. Yeah, no, no, that's, that's that, who becomes Aralani. No, no, the the human Imperial. Oh, in Thrawn, the original. And the original oh, he's oh, yeah, that's oh. his Watson. Yeah, yeah, that's his yeah, Watson. That's his name's right? like Ed Norton, I think, or something. Ed, like that. <laughs> <laughs> it is now. So Ed Norton's his his Watson, right? In that yeah. series, and now this is the Watson in this series. I prefer this Watson. I think she's much more much more of an interesting character. And I'm not trying to be reductive by calling these character Watsons, but they are right. Like it's the person who follows around. And you are being reductive. No, because it's the person. <laughs> it's the it's the exposition. It's yeah. the person you dump the exposition on, right? Yeah. yeah, you have to have it if you want to tell this type yeah. of story, which is just I they also give her a lot more to do which i appreciate that's not just being a watson like her actual like her going to be part like inducted into the family and that whole section i really enjoyed yeah oh i did too the the scene on the mountain yeah with the yeah, with the, the patriarch yeah yeah she's she gets the trial born status yeah her. to do her yeah she goes through the trials i yeah. love the trials too it was very video gamey and I was like trying to figure it out in my mind as she was going through it. But with like the boards and the river, I was like, wait a second. How do you. Um, it was uh, uh, yeah, some great stuff there. So we get so there's a number of characters that are pretty cool in this. Um, that Supreme General Batif character was really, really neat to start yeah. with. And really, yeah. really like that character. He's pretty cool. He kind of believed yeah. in Thrawn. So he's the the highest ranking military uh, person in the Chiss ascendancy and yeah and he he's spotted the genius that is Thrawn and he's like I'm gonna use you you're a valuable tool um which is great yeah I actually I, I liked so you see in the in the pre in the flashback like series it's like Ziara is like the name of this like person that he's like kind of behind but like they're working together it's like his direct underling and then you realize it's the same Mm-hmm. military person that he's um under in the the current timeline arlani and I, for some reason that took me by surprise did you guys know that's who that person yeah, was? i keep for the naming in this book is a lot to grasp like yeah after yeah. you read this book you have to reread it just to understand some of the, the family names and that's even why there's a foreword or a section in the big book yeah right in the beginning the this is what this is yeah, yeah. i cheat not cheated but like when i get that especially again having read he loves the Chiss naming, which I which is he's super really good at it. He's a world builder, just like Tolkien. Yeah. He's not, you know, yeah. he likes he's he's all about building this world, which I really appreciate. But like similar to like Tolkien or somewhere else where there's where at the beginning there's like a list of characters. At the beginning of every chapter, I will actually go back and oh, read nice. over the list of characters again. Cause I have no I because when I read internally, I skim names very quickly. Like right. I don't sit there and actually pronounce everything out. So I have to go back and remind myself. So, but you're, you're right, Ben. It took me a while to pick up on that. Oh, this is a person who went through renaming, just like Thrawn becomes Thrawn at the beginning. Cause he used to be yada, yada, yada. I can't yeah. remember what his it's name was. Kivu Ra Ru Rodo. Yeah. And Va, like Vuran. And Vuran. Yeah. We did this earlier, right? This is yeah. his old name. So like, yeah. And Kivu is right. like a dead house or like I a just realized you know, yeah. all a long forgotten house. house of the Chiss, which I thought was super interesting. And I was like, yeah. oh, there's some Af- there's some Afro material for you. I want <laughs> the house more. of Kivu or yeah. it's like it's right. like Thrawn's ancient house. I want more houses in the next one. I, I, I really like this idea of the houses and I thought it was really neat oh, yeah. and I get a little bit of it. But I'm like, I hope we get some like internal housing strife going on. There's in the like next a one. DACA house or something that was like, that's my house. Like I, I did that. or something. Druka or like because that, that actually uh, there's a guy named like Octavio or I I definitely grabbed it in here somewhere. I'm looking through my notes, but like there's one character. Oh, are you talking about Octremo? Octremo. <laughs> the coolest name in the <laughs> it's book. the coolest name ever. Octremo. <laughs> oh, like, oh, you know I guy. took a note of some of these names. You know, <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. Because he's he's from that house like Daka House or Daka. Das, there's Dasklo from the beginning of the book. Dasklo, maybe that's. Uh, I remember seeing like Druka at one point. Druka, like, oh, maybe, maybe like Druko House. <laughs> God, I wish I was more prepared for this. I thought I had it just like, I'm like, oh yeah, I'll find it right here. And no. Uh, but yes, that, yeah, Artrimo is awesome. Yeah. 
names all around. A lot of I mean, Zahn is great with names. I got he's say. got yeah. great names. Yeah. yeah. He's a really he's really good at naming. Um, it feels immersive. It like he never kicks you out with a crazy name that sounds too earthly or yeah sounds it's... you know outside the star the realm of Star Wars. He the names sound really interesting. And they don't sound doesn't have that Star Trek feel I thought it would. It kind of no it, no. it, it totally sees it and goes around that uh, that that cliche or that it, I guess it typical. still feels like Star Wars to me even though there's not any thing we know of star wars in it you know I, i'll say like I, what's really fascinating is who so many so few people get a second bite of the apple with this stuff and like so i just started yeah, rereading yeah. the the dark tower series because I'm, i need Why my not? comfort yeah. i need my comfort <laughs> reading right now and so i'm reading the first gunslinger like the, yeah. the last version of it and he went back and rewrote some of that yeah, to try he, to yes make, he did make it, yeah make it better which i'm okay with but like you're, only Stephen King can do that. Like not many other people and can George do that. Lucas. And George Lucas can do that. But like Timothy Zahn got this weird reset where it's just like when you reread the old books, you can tell they were written 15 years apart, and he was figuring out, yeah, like what the Sith were or what the not the Sith, what the Chiss were. Yeah. And this is nice because he gets this like clean reset. Yeah. Where it's like everyone's just reading this, and it's this like fully formed world that he's like, yeah, I've been working on this for. 30 years yeah but now i have the next new five years to just be like let's reset i can still bring this character back in and have a really clean story arc and really clean origin for for him and his people and i really appreciate kind of reading this and 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 seeing what he's able to do with having that kind of opportunity to restart everything it's been pretty interesting and it's fascinating to see just to read about the chess culture and uh, there there's some really interesting details just how they conduct their society and they almost feel like switzerland to a degree like in terms yeah. of like their foreign policy and their 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 altruism and their kind of their their overall yeah. kind of moral standards seem pretty high and then as well as they but they also seem like they're deceptive and there's still this like air of caution you know what i mean like it's super interesting. Like their culture is fascinating to me. It's like I'm not sure what they're their goal is. for war, but they're avoiding war. They don't like. Want, I'm very. It's very. They don't want strange. to conquer necessarily, but they want yeah. to rule. Like yeah. I, I really like it. It's I like them. It's interesting. They're they like this weird other thing. They're not the Republic. They're not the Empire. I'm not quite sure what they are. Like they clearly and, have a streak of superiority to them. And but I like, used to think yeah. the Sith were this like corporate meritocracy, but it, it's more of like they're the, they're more so this like military. I don't know. Yeah. Patriarchal, patriarchal like meritocracy and, and that, like and, and their corporate yeah. their corporate um kind of uh, veneer is just all fake. It's like they have these cityscapes all over Cilia that are just like empty essentially, and like there's yeah. underground passages to the the different oh, that was homesteads. About that, that was yeah. fascinating. I was like. Wait, this is all just yeah, a deceptive ruse. Like, if you come to yeah. this planet, you think it's like Coruscant, but it's, it's, it's deceptively. There's only like 300 people for you know every every you know. It almost feels like what if you had a military coup, and the military never put in another, like never actually established right. a new government, and was that was that happened 50 years later because they just become politicians, but they're military, but they're military, but they don't use the military all that much, but everything is based on military. It's really interesting. I'm not quite sure what to make of it in a good way. Like I'm actually enjoying it. Yeah. But I guess there was a great migration like 4,000 years ago where many of the Chiss like left Cilia and, and there's a diaspora of like, they just went to three or four different other planets and they're right. So it's not just Cilia. There's other planets that are, are populated by this Chiss. So the yeah. Chiss are, have spread throughout the yeah. chaos. It possible. seems like they occupy a, a legitimate amount of real estate within the chaos because they talk about that. They're like, oh, the Lyo Ion um, people, they have just this tiny little area. And, um, you know, right. it's, it was Cilia, Rentor, uh, Adik, or uh, Adit, Adich, and then Sarut, Saruchi, or Saruchi. Yeah. Saruchi. Sure. And there were just other planets that they, they went to. Yeah. So. And um, Grant, just to confirm, you were right. Dasklo is the name of the okay, house that I was looking for. I looked, check now. But Kurt, I guess you're right. You said Switzerland, right? They are very Swiss in that they're just kind of like we have our little, actually, fairly big area. 
you do you, but the second you start encroaching on us or doing anything we like that, we will absolutely crush you. Absolutely crush you. Yeah, we <laughs> yeah. You were destroyed. Which I guess is in Switzerland because they didn't have the right. ability to crush. They're not crushing but like, anything. But they were like, in terms of like the giant like skirmish to end all wars was happening around them. They're like, no, no, we're just over here doing our thing. Please just leave us alone, and we'll just we'll hide your gold. So again, the analogy is lost. But you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, I know what you're trying to say. Yeah, um, interesting. Um, I, another one we we sort of skirted past this, but it's an interesting part. So they just like they just like steamroll over ascendancy. Like there's a part in this book where yeah we get the beginning of the book. Was it Thrawn was it not a direct? Uh, was it not a chapter from ascendancy? It sure felt like it. I felt it like was, I feel like it was exactly. Yeah, same it was like the beginning order. of like actual. I was like, wait, have I read this before? And indeed, I had. I mean, it wasn't long. It was like an interaction. For like you know a page maybe, but yeah, like, I think that's how this this book avoids being too Star Trekky is that it does double down on the Force with the Skywalkers and then yeah. Anakin and making that connection. I think that's how this book remains in the realm of Star Wars to me. I think that's I think that's yeah. why. Yeah, I think that's, that's and when you talk about the clean reset, I think it's just smart direction to incorporate all these Skywalkers and the Force in this yeah. in the chaos regions and things like that. It seems like genius now, but imagine that conversation where he like with Timothy Zahn and Kathleen Kennedy or Pablo Hidalgo and he's like, Yeah, I want to call them Skywalkers. And it's like <laughs> like we look at it the other way now, but it and it makes a lot of sense, but like I don't know, like that must have been a tough sell for to for Zahn to do to for them. Be like, no, I want to actually use that term to describe what the chis call their like force sensitives. Yeah, I mean, and this is I mean, this falls right into what Grant was asking for. You want Grant wanted the like new Jedi to be called Skywalkers for a while. You you had a had a spell, um, and I mean it, it's a great idea to like rebrand Jedi, but I kind of like Jedi as well. Anyways, yeah. that that's just sort of like funny that they did it, and they had that scene that I was waiting for where you're in the like um, central command of the Chiss, and they're like, it, and it's after. Uh, Thrawn's mission and they're like wait what's his name and he's like yeah Anakin Skywalker he's oh, like I guess it's popular and over there and they're like huh they're like that's an odd coincidence that's weird yeah <laughs> yeah and you somewhere you hear Obi-Wan being like there's no in my experience there's no such thing as coincidences yeah yeah and we I do just... find out in this book that Thrawn's sister was force sensitive and she yeah. was in fact a Skywalker navigator for yeah which opens up the larger possibility to be like at some level is Thrawn Force. <laughs> yes, I thank you. That was a big thing I wanted to talk about, but because I read this thing two and a half weeks ago, I forgot about. It. Yes, I think that is something that's they're never actually going to put on Front Street or acknowledge, but I right. think that is what is being hinted at. That I, that's why I wanted to say is I think that a lot of his intuition comes from the Force, but because they repress it in that culture, yeah. it's just seen as pure intellect, right? When it's actually just he knows these things because he can right. see through the force. Um, it also makes me wonder, one of the other things I love is that, so the, I mean, I don't have any names, so you guys are gonna have to tell me because it's been forever, but there is a, there is a Skywalker, um, who Cherry. is Cherry, 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 uh, Cherry. Cherry. and then she, he brings on another old, like, caretaker, Caretaker, caretaker who used to also be a skywalker but now they Thalius. don't usually allow Thalius. Thalius. they usually don't allow previous skywalkers to be chaperones for current skywalkers well they right? they used to do it they all the to. time but it, it was un, unheard of. it was and now it's it fallen out of favor and my thought is i wonder what happens when you put someone who is force sensitive but repressing it with a child who is actively engaging with the force. Well, and I think yeah. it's something that's going to go on where this is going to be kind of why the, the reason why it's falling out of favor is because people start learning. They actually can reconnect with this power that they thought had, they had lost. So there was a line at the end of this book where I think it was the one where it towards the end, um, obviously spoilers everywhere here. Um, that they're, they're on their knees in in front of uh, general Yiv, the benevolent. Um, and, or it might have been later, like where, huh? Something fell. Um, where uh, I think Talius said, like I, I pushed my my thoughts into her mind, into Churi's mind, to be like, it's going to be okay. We're going to be fine. Mm. 
And it was very like a force moment. And I was like, wait, what, what was that? And it was like a nice little nugget. I think they dropped in there that like, they still have, you know, she has a tentative like force connection there. And, um, you know, yeah, they might be able to, to do some of that. And I think that's what they're avoiding is I don't think that just ascendancy wants these individuals to know that they actually can tap back into this power. I think it makes them, it's easier to control a child who has this power. It's harder to control a grown human or grown chiss, right? Yeah. Um, do we want to talk? I mean, not to skip too far. We can come back around, but like, can we talk ending? Can we talk Jixtus? Or do we want to save Jixtus? <laughs> well, now that you've said it, that's yeah. a major spoiler. Sure. But... We're skipping around here. No linear diet. <laughs> you no said towards the ending, and I just scrolled all the way in, and I saw Jixtus, and I'm like, let's, spoiler just, wall. let's just do this thing. All right. So, we, yeah, we find that there. So, Yiv the Benevolent is the head of the <laughs> Nick Ardoon, and that's been sort of the big bad that was, um, they were subjugating people's, uh, or you know, planets around the ascendancy and slowly moving in on the ascendancy as they're the strongest power in this part of the chaos. Uh, they being the Chiss. Um, but then we find that there was, in fact, sort of someone watching over. I don't know. He because they he said he wasn't pulling the strings. Uh-huh. We find yeah. this Jixtus character, um, and he communicates with Kalori the Undalaran of Uandalan. Um, who is the 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 force right. guide? Which I thought that was fa- that culture is fascinating too. These like, yeah. you know, if you have the if you're force sensitive, you get to be a contractor for a contractor navigator, which I thought was kind of cool. But anyway, so he he gets contacted by Jixtus, and Jixtus pulls out the, the last remaining information from him because he knows like he was at the crux of what happened in the final altercation. I mean, I, I have an idea. So do you think, all right, is Jixtus in the chaos or is Jixtus a character we may or may not know? I think, I this, think is the intellect, the this is the intellectual know. equal, right? That Thrawn's always needed. This is the kind of, this is the Riddler for Thrawn, right? Is that not what this is to you guys? I thought it was the Emperor. It's the Emperor or it's, it's the Emperor or it's, um, or it's a, or it's a, someone who's working for the emperor. Like I don't know what the time. I'm not sure what the timing is, but we have Anakin as Anakin. This is during the Clone Wars, right? I think. Yeah. Because yeah, so it could also it's be towards Dooku. the end of the Clone Wars. Yeah, yeah. it could be Dooku. Because it's 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 after um, uh, what's her name? Ahsoka has been uh tried and and expunged from the Jedi Order. Right. So it's it's towards the tail end of the Clone Wars. But Grant. What are you thinking? Because I, I like what you're thinking, I think. What, so you guys are you guys are adamant that it's the Emperor Empire? <laughs> not, the Emperor? That was not, that was my knee jerk reaction. Yeah, that not adamant, but like if I was to lay money down on this, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I like that take a lot. I just feel like I can see these these books exploring, you know. The galaxy outside the main galaxy. Similar to what we talked about during our Mandalorian episode, I enjoy when there's new characters and it makes the galaxy feel larger, right? So I'm okay if it's not. But it's just when you have a mysterious figure appear at the end of your whatever and say, I am pulling all the strings. I mean, that is the most Palpatine move of of all, right? Like it just like, like you call that the Palpatine. And I have to think that this trilogy. Why would Palpatine use uh, like alter ego? I don't understand why he would use a code name when I feel like he's confident enough that he could just say he's the emperor. This is his space, and he's eventually going to dominate it. Blah blah blah. This might be our first sojourn into the world of clandestine Palpatine. You know, like we know he's had this secret life this whole time, and I mean, yes, we've seen his dealings as Darth Sidious. And dealing with other Sith people like that's his alter ego. But yeah. I think there's like a third Palpatine that is doing these shadow deals um, around the galaxy at large. Because we know, obviously, you know, the Exegol thing. And um, yeah, I mean, like this whole infrastructure he created. And it, it, there's this other the shadow Palpatine, the one that like we saw in the um, Kenobi and Anakin comic book series where Anakin was sort of meeting with um, Palpatine in the shadows and the underworld, like that Palpatine. Right. Well, this voice is also concerned with the map to the road of conquest. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, that definitely suggests it's it's in chaos. All that that stuff. And I'm like, 
Is Palpatine really concerned with the Nick Cardoon destiny? Is, it, could that be something about Exegolars? I don't know. Maybe. Um, I don't, but I don't like, see that connection. But It would add an extra like layer of intrigue because when we you know, get the first Thrawn book, Thrawn, um, he, he is leaving the Chist Ascendancy to see if the lesser galaxy has a force strong enough to fight his, you know, the Chist Ascendancy um, antagonists. And, but like here we'd have at the same time, the emperor looking into the, you know, the outer regions, the chaos to see if there's a, a weapon there that might help him control the quote unquote lesser galaxy. The right. Galaxy. And also, if he's playing the long game, which we have to assume he is, he long even says here at the very end, he says, uh, he says who's Jixtus, basically? He says, it's the name, um, it, um, it's the name of he who will finally and completely destroy the Chist Ascendancy. So if you're, if you're Palpatine, you're thinking, okay, so I'm going to take over the Republic. What is, once I do that, what's the next greatest threat to me? in the galaxy. Right. And that's going to be the Chiss Ascendancy, right? And so I think he's already sowing the seeds of their destruction while he's pl- planning the rise of the Empire. Right. I mean, and, and if we're going to, like, legacy character connections here, um, how, like, seamlessly could you see uh, Ezra Bridger sliding into this world or um, Ahsoka Tano, like, sliding into this world? Like, you know, after after they're in here, like maybe they have a like you know an uneasy alliance, and like they find their way back to Chiss Ascendancy. Like it would be, I don't know, it'd be interesting. Yeah, to see those. Much like revisiting the Kaminoans, I would love to see what the Chiss are doing after Return of the yeah. Jedi, or yeah, you know, something in that in that time period. That story has to be told, right? It has to be. This is a major force that's out there. Like yeah. what? Similar yeah, to Mandalorian. And we were talking about live action in our previous show. And I feel like uh, if you, I feel like the next place where you're earned a Vader cameo is a Thrawn series. I think, I think Vader can, and I think these books are almost a perfect template for a, a series almost with, with Thrawn and, and Anakin and that connection and then Vader and, and things like that. I think that would be a perfect for a series. That would be phenomenal for a series and, and, and showing off Vader again. Yeah. If you wanted to see Vader again, I, th- I think I think he could appear in a Thrawn yeah. series, and he wouldn't be jarring. You'd be like, "Oh, that makes sense," because they have a past, and there's a connection there. That'd be wild. I would lose yeah. my brain if I saw Vader show up. Like, be like, "Oh, we, you know, we do have one ally in the lesser regions, and you know, he owes me a favor." And like, for some reason, Anakin slash Vader decides, like, "Okay, I'm gonna go and do this," and sneaks off into the chaos. During you know whatever repression, or it's mainly a Thrawn series, but it takes place around the time of I don't know before Rebels, just before Rebels, and Vader's in the picture, and you can have Vader's arrive at some point. Yeah, that's what I mean. Definitely Thrawn, but like I'm just trying to game out like Vader's motivation to enter that you know to actually leave the you know galaxy, the known galaxy, to to go out there to help him. But that would be awesome. It'd be wild. Uh, anything else that stood out to you guys that you thought was interesting about this book? I mean, oh. I don't know. I just, yeah, I really liked all the factions. I'm still sort of flummoxed by, like, there's all these characters, you know, um, Kilori, the he mentioned, like, the his facial wings. Like, he has wings on his face. I have a head with wings, if you're a big Morphine fan, uh, the band, which I am. <laughs> uh, uh, but... Yeah, and like he's constantly trying, but like that's the only like physical descriptions. We did get physical descriptions of the Rapak, um, I believe, and yeah. that was cool. They were like bird dinosaur people, which was awesome, um, with horse heads or something. That was cool, but like yeah. otherwise, we don't really know what the Nicordoon look like, the Garwain or the you know Lioline. Uh, So I'm pretty sure Zahn, and I'm going to double check this, but I'll just keep talking and, you know, hope I'm right. Um, I'm pretty sure Zahn is an ex-physicist. That sounds about right. uh, Yes. Yes. Zahn has a BS in physics from Michigan State University and MS from the University of Illinois. So, like, he's a very science-minded dude. And that comes across when he's explaining, like, flight patterns and, like, stuff. 
he's not a very descriptive writer yeah. in some ways, which I, the which ships is, too. He doesn't describe the ships no. very much. And it kind of works in a weird way, but you're right. Like when you actually start to try to visualize what things look like in this world, man, maybe this is why I can read through his stuff so fast because it's very dialogue heavy. Yeah. I also noticed, I don't know how to say this. So like when I read on a Kindle, um, I do continuous scrolling, so I don't do the page flicks. Oh, I actually just scroll. I didn't even and know I have this option. It is. I love it. And I have this thing where I only scroll if a paragraph is a certain size. I'm a weirdo. I have, like, rules for things. <laughs> but it's fine. But one thing I noticed is that he does not have large chunks. A large chunk paragraph from Zahn is a rare thing. Most of his paragraphs are two to three sentences because it's very quick. This happened, then this happened, this happened. This person said this thing, that person said that thing. But in a way that flows really fast, like really fast. And it's all about like how people are interacting. It's really interesting. His writing style is very different than some of the others. It's not very flowery, right? Like it's right. very to the point. Staccato, it's snappy. There yeah. are there are a few... Um... Uh, uh, diatribes, though, and especially in the data, the um, flashback moments where you, I think Batif yeah. goes on a long speech at one point, but then Arlani explains politics to Thrawn yeah. way later in the book, towards the end. Yeah, that's like I had a whole highlight. It's just one big chunk that we don't. It's beautifully that. written dialogue yeah, of her just yeah. explaining why he has he fails at politics and and how it's different from war and things like that, and it's just a wonderfully written. Yes. Uh, speech. And uh, I think that that he deserves credit for that, that, sort of work, that, that character work, especially yeah. in this book. And I, I do think I feel like there were heavier descriptions in I want to in Thrawn Ascendancy Alliances, uh, the, the previous book. I want to say there because I think they were just meeting uh, Anakin and Thrawn and there was more descriptions. It was it felt more mysterious. Yeah. It felt like in the, in the beginning, especially. But then. But I, I, do, he, he I, I think do you're it. right, Adam. That is sort of his style is to do brief descriptions. And, I, that's what I want to make clear. It's a style. It's not a weakness because he uses it to great effect. And I also think he is such, he's so methodical, much like Th Thrawn. I mean, yeah. Thrawn. We talked about it before. Thrawn, Zon. <laughs> Zon. Come on. It's a short right? shirt. Thrawn, yeah. Zon. Come on. That's a shirt right there. Yeah. <laughs> but like, it's, he's such, a, he moves chess pieces in such a thoughtful way. That I think that's a lot of it is like it is so clearly planned out in such a really fascinating, like really artful way that he's just like, let's just move through the plot. Like, let's just like get through this plot in a good way to kind of just talk about all of these, you know, connections. Yeah. Oh, can I do a complete non sequitur right now? You guys yeah. All right. So do you think there was a romantic relationship between Thrawn and uh, Ziara slash Arlani? <laughs> I think Thrawn is completely asexual. <laughs> All right. Um, I think there's, there's definitely chemistry, and I definitely, yeah, sure, why not? There was like a scene, and I think it was a flashback with Ziara, and they they had been obviously been through some travails together, and you know they've they've now faced like at least three tribunals, and you know, and they're about to face their like fourth, and Ziara's like, I'm gonna be fine. And, you know, like, and she has this neat, like, and she sticks her neck out for him a lot. That, that, oh, that yeah. I feel like that's a, she definitely admires Thrawn and his tact. Yeah. Thrawn and, definitely cares for her in a way that he doesn't normally care for other beings. Yeah. Yeah. He, and, and Thrawn uh, depends on Arlani, Arlani to a degree. And I think he doesn't oh, yeah. depend on anyone. Like, he, he has his friends that help him and he needs them. <clears throat> but the thing is, is he's such an influential character. People are just dragged into his charisma. I mean, you can't overlook that. I mean, you can be, it's not lazy writing. The fact that this is like a Sherlock's home, Sherlock home no, um, in no. Star Wars. Galaxy. It's, it's, there's so much nuance in it. It's really just, I, I think genius and just beautifully written how he's done it. But you can get the fact it's like, okay, he's a charismatic guy and he's flawed and whatever, but certain people get swept up in it. And certain people are totally turned off by it. Um, yeah. And it's just sort of interesting, but there is definitely this one scene where she's like, what do you, how about we go back to my place and have a drink late at night? And it's, it, it would felt a little more than just like, Oh, we're a couple of buds that that's the live action series. I want I Cilia and just Chiss doing like, I don't know, Ben, I picked up on that scene like too. Stuff. I just think the end of that scene is him having the drink and going, okay, we'll have a nice night. And Hope like, they sing, 
every single cue ever put out. Yeah. She's like, do you want to listen to my records collection? Oh, I have this photo. Like she's dropping all the and, like hints. Yeah. And, and then he looks like, at one of the record covers and analyzes the art and talks yeah. about it for 15 minutes. And she's and asleep. Doesn't it's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, that's the thing. Like, I like this image of him as like this, like, He's so he's such a tactician and he can compartmentalize things, but he just doesn't understand. I'm just going to use the phrase humans just for effect at a basic level. Like he doesn't understand emotions from humans. Like I don't think he can read emotional cues from humans. He can't empathize with anyone. Yeah. Yeah, Like serious empathy, like uh, articulation. And I don't think he's a sociopath necessarily. I think he's just. Yeah. The thing is, is like they're. I had there was a couple of things that didn't make sense to me because like they're all like, oh, you don't know people. You don't know this. But like I know it was sort of like an accident that he changed Talius's life. Right. But, like, it was a, a very compassionate, empathetic moment that changed her life. And it's not like he does. You can tell through the writing he deeply cares about these people yes. that, that are with him. And and he does in his own way show that where like. People that are, you know, I, I've definitely had good friends that are just like super brilliant. I know they care about me. I know they care about, you know, the people that are in their lives, but are just like really mean, like do really mean things to people like all the time like that, you know, without unintentionally. But he's not that person like overall, like he is compassionate. His whole like yes. idea about like this, you know this ascendancy and protecting the ascendancy is sort of like, well, are we going to protect the people around us? You know, it's like, yes, they could be harming us, but like, you know, he's always compassionate towards those people. So a a lot of that was lost on me. Um, So so do you think when he is going to, when he's um, generating the plan to save, or I guess when he's in the, in the action of saving uh, Cherry and Talius from, general eve uh in that moment do you think he is this sent sentimentality and this sympathy and this care for them as people or do you think it's like net lives saved at all times he's always like how can we just save as many lives like almost like superman in terms of like net lives saved like how many people can we just get i get think out it's of here with the lives i think it's the former but he convinces himself it's the latter Meaning, I think he cares about these people, but I think he compartmentalizes it in a way that he convinces himself the decisions he makes are completely rational. Right. And and but I think he does care about them. I don't because I don't think he's a sociopath, but I don't think he wants to. I don't think he can either. He doesn't have the emotional language, or doesn't want to admit that he has feelings for people. Yeah, that's a much deeper reading than what I had of it, and I think that makes total sense, Adam. Like that, that I think you really nailed it. But I, to me, a hundred percent he cares for those people because like that's yeah, how, like, that's that. part of the that. plan is saving them. Like there's no part, like he designed a docking system on yes. his ship so that he like with the only reason is to save those. Exactly. People. Yep. Yeah. And I mean that, that shows a level of care and compassion and, and forethought that, you know, it, clearly not a sociopath and clearly an empathetic character. Um, so th- that, that was, so this is my one complaint on this is like the, the backstory, the like flashbacks are all leading up to this one moment where the one time that Thrawn failed. Um, and I just didn't get it. I was like, wait, how did he fail? Because I, did you guys understand that scene? Like, all I know is like, he, you know, was leading up to this interaction after saving some lives and saving these, like he was invited to a place that play. It was, um, and it was with a, a, a confidant of his, um, I forget the the guy's name, and I I, I for, it's, it was in either the Gawain system. He wasn't. Yes, he was the the Gawains. I'm going to call him that. The Garwains. Um, this is before Crimea and all that stuff. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, this is his flashback, and he went to visit one of their installations, and they came under attack, and he was like, "Yes, I like the the leader of the the Garwains was like, I used you to." make them attack us somehow. It was the Lyolines again, where we're the ones that like, and then, you know, they beat back the attackers, but it was like a scandal. And I just didn't understand the scandal there. Did mm. either of you guys understand that scandal? Um, ben, I was really hoping you weren't going to ask that question because no, I think I did. Well, doesn't, add- it, doesn't Aristocra die in one of his missions or like, doesn't, don't they say an Arist- 
uh, one of his missions results in the death of an aristocrat. Maybe they were killed over that Syndic planet, but I, I don't think they, I, I, as far as I understood it, there was no Chiss lives lost in that altercation. Hmm. And I wanted, I was like, oh, I'll go back and read it. And then I'm like, how am I going to find it? I'm like, like to reread it again to try and understand it better. But I, I just, it, it came at me quickly and I was like, I don't get this. Yeah, it's it was funny. like a crucial part of the book. I think a couple things happened. I think one, I don't read as careful towards the end of a book as I do towards the beginning, right? Because you kind of get into that pattern of just like, I'm getting through this. Mm-hmm. I'm almost done. Um, I think secondly, I think this is going to be such a cop out, but I think I kind of got it. It didn't trip me up when I was reading. Does that make sense? Like when I was reading, I'm like, cool, cool. Got it. Got it. Got it. And then like right. they, literally they... earlier in this, in this episode, we we're talking about, it, I was like, yeah, I like how it flashes back and explains how he failed at the second. I said it in my mind, I was like, Wait, did he though? Like, I know he does. Cause they told me he does. There's a I lot of bureaucracy in the middle. Yeah. Right. yeah. But it was like, ultimately he just was like knocked down a couple ranks, but given a ship. You know, it was like, like, were yeah, people going up and down the ladder of ranks, like being punished in the meritocracy throughout, or was I just going crazy? Because I feel like people's yeah. roles were kind yeah. of different titles, yeah. different points. Definitely, definitely. Oh, yeah. I mean, they both, yeah. uh, Ziara slash, um, Arlani or whatever, uh, were, were getting pushed back and like up and down, um, in the ranks. And that seems there like was, normal for, yeah, like, it just Right. But it was such like you felt it. It was this rich like family history and culture and like um, you felt the political intrigue and it was so fresh. Like it was just so fresh for Star Wars. And because they've never done this, it's like they've never done the, you know, well, they've done a little bit of the politics of like Moncala, right, in the uh, animated series, the Clone Wars animated series. And that was pretty cool, but like not to this degree. They they were on Moncala and you know they dealt with the king and like what's going on. Um, but they it's always sort of the surface level. But I feel like Thrawn uh, Zon pierced it and and went to deeper levels as far as the the cultural references and the the political stuff. And I think yeah. there's infinite possibilities in that galaxy to do stories like this. And um, so yeah, and I hope they do. It makes me really excited for the higher public stuff that they're willing to just tell stories that are very like its own area, its own thing. Like this is, this is again, I, I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to keep repeating myself, but I don't want to understate the importance of having a book that takes place almost in no familiar yeah. territory at all. Like that shows a lot of faith in, in your authors and your, and your, the consumers, right. That right. they're, that people are going to take to this. It grows the galaxy in such a wonderful way that I think star Wars needs. Yeah. And and uh, this is, I think, how they need to grow the galaxy. It doesn't need to, like, latch on to legacy places always. You know, it's yeah. always nice to sprinkle it in. And they had a little Skywalker sprinkle in there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that was it. It was, like, a couple of scenes. You saw R2. <laughs> like, yep. R2 was there. And there's a Nubian fighter very briefly. In yeah. And I was like, wait, what? That's kind of like, fun, right? But it's like a yeah. two-second thing. He's like, what does it look like? And that's the only time we get a ship description. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. Well, you guys, th- there was also another scene. All right. So he's having the standoff at the end with uh, General Yiv, the benevolent, right? And in uh, Kilari <laughs> and Thrawn. Are in ship, right. And so they've they've done the distraction and it was four warships facing Thrawn. And then it was one because I got peeled off. But then the Springhawk, which is like they talk a lot about um, Thrawn ship, the Springhawk. and right. Sarlenko, I think is his name. Smarko um, or something. Smarko, yeah. Um, who actually grew on me over the, the course of this was like essentially superseded by Thrawn on there, but like he just did his job diligently, even though he has his question, you know, he has his doubts about Thrawn in a lot of ways, but he, he sort of becomes a believer later. But like there's a scene where Yiv the the benevolent starts screaming. <laughs> yeah. yeah wordless screams and i was yeah. like wait what and it's it was emotional villain and, and at that time uh smarco and the spring hot contact him being like do you want us to kill you now or do you want to wait, wait till later and he's like you're just a small ship but he but then it's revealed that the spring hawk was on the other side of the solar system in a different battle so did he just like radio in to distract him 
You know what I mean? It was a distraction. I thought. Sure, I thought so. Happy yeah. that he starts. Doing it was just like right. a radio, like a hologram communication, yeah, talking right. trash. Like I've got you right where I want you, even though they were like pitted against a dreadnought on the other side of the solar system. That also lost me a little bit there. I didn't understand. Like I feel like he forgot to take that part out or something. <laughs> that was to get you flustered so he would act irrationally. I thought that's kind yeah. of what that ploy was. Yeah, that sounds vaguely familiar. Again, two and a half weeks. It could have been like a pre-recorded thing, but they never, of all that exposition, they didn't talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. And and I don't know how it happened. Uh, I got nothing. Zahn, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Mr. Zahn, if you're listening, just get at us. Uh, We have a a Discord channel, and um, that'd be super if you just let us know what happened there. I think he would be a fascinating interview. Oh, my gosh. Oh my gosh, I would love like, to talk to him. As a fellow, you know, a person who also did physics in in undergrad, you <laughs> know, who has like a, an undergrad understanding It'd be a of sweet physics. physics conversation for all it, our listeners because they're dying. dying yeah, to he's also way way past me. I'm sure in physics because he clearly gets it a lot more than I did. I I switched out of that fairly quickly. But um, but I do have an appreciation for that. Like I, I, you know, move from the hard sciences to the to the humanities pretty quickly. But I, I just think his brain works in such an interesting way as an author. Yeah. And I'd really be fascinated because he just does. He writes like no one else in mm-hmm. in in Star Wars. And like they're these dense yet completely consumable books in a way that I can't really explain. Like it's like it's somehow the opposite of like. Who wrote the Aftermath series? That's Windig. 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 Who's like super dense, like super dense and difficult to read, but very rewarding. Highly descriptive. Highly descriptive. Highly descriptive. Like they're almost mirror opposites or polar opposites of each other in an interesting way. And both should be writing Star Wars because they both have interesting Star Wars stories to tell, but in very different ways. Yeah. Yeah. I think Sewell's a brilliant writer too, and I can't wait to talk about the comics next week, especially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it sounds like we're going to do a comic week next week. Um, that'll be great. Um, who knows what other news will come up between now and then. But um, thanks very much for listening to this uh, deep dive on Thrawn. We um, hope you enjoyed the book. Um, and yeah, thanks for listening to us. And as always, may the Force be with you. This is Grex Kondak signing off. For the latest breaking news, follow at Core World News on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you and good night. Remember... Force will be with you always.